0: Good morning, Village. Let's come to our seats. Welcome those that are worshiping with us in person today and also welcoming those that are online. I know we have a bunch of people online today, both YouTube and Facebook. And um, if you're watching on some other platform, that would be interesting because that's not possible. But um, I know we have you guys there. So welcome at home. If you're at home, if you want to post a picture of yourself on our website, church facebook group the private group that'd be great i think that builds community and um, a chance for us to be together while we prefer to be in person and we believe biblically we should strive to be in person it is nice to have technology for those situations where people can't and there's sickness and illness and so we welcome all of you today is vision sunday and we do this every year in January at some point, and we happen to be the second week in January this week. But um, it's a chance for us to, as a church, remind ourselves why we do what we do and, and rem- look at our direction for that year and, and what God wants for His church that year. Now, sometimes what we go over are some of the things that we went over last year and some of the core values. We haven't changed the core values because God's word hasn't changed for what he wants for his church. God still wants for the church what he wanted last year and the year before. So why bring it up again? Why, why remind ourselves of this? And I'm, I'm constantly reminded that we are forgetful people, that things happen in a year and a year is a long time and we forget the direction we should be going. And so to come back to our essentials, to come back to our core values and to our vision as a church is reminding ourselves what God wants for the church. And so today is an opportunity to say, how are we doing at this? Have I forgotten this year about this? How are we doing? And, and especially today as we come back to the essentials and look at our core values, we do this as a staff every year. We sit down at the end of the year and we say, okay. How how were ministries supporting each of these core values? Are there holes in that this year and things that we need to be doing? And so as a church, we want to do that. Coming back to our vision also protects against drift. It is so easy to drift into different whims of the age and different things that are happening around us. But we want to be a church that is based on God's Word and dedicated to doing what God wants for His church. And so that's why we, we do this today and remind ourselves and refresh. The other thing is it, it's been a couple years since we talked through our core values. And so half of you here probably haven't heard us talk about them in detail. And so this is a chance to constantly be adopting as many into the family as we can and where we're going. Last year at about this time, we were meeting outside and we talked about being undistracted. And that our theme for 2021 was we wanted to be undistracted by the things that were happening around us, by COVID or by sickness or by jobs or concerns or worries, all these things. And and so this last year, we worked on being undistracted and being focused on what God wants us to do. In fact, right now, we're, we just started a series on Acts called Rediscovering Church, the unquenchable gospel in action. And that series is going to actually go for most of 2022 because Acts, I don't know if you've looked ahead, it's a long book. And there's a lot there that we're going to study. It's been fantastic to study the origins of the church, how God founded the church, what he wants for the church. And so so really, just to just to, to put it out there, Acts and Rediscovering Church is going to be where we go this year. It's really not in a new direction or a, a different direction it's saying, okay, last year we looked at undistracted. This year we're going to be looking at the opposite of that, what we should be focusing on. And so here let's, let's get past some of the things in this world that are happening. Let's remember what God wants us to do. This year we want to explore what that looks like. What that means. What would God have us focus on? What does it mean to be a church that's about the gospel? What does it mean to have the gospel infiltrate every part of our lives and every part of our core values? And so in many ways, we're rediscovering the essentials. Back to basics. At age 45, a story that that some of you know, because some of you here are Green Bay fans. Yeah, a lot of you. Um, Vince Lombardi at age 45 became the head coach for the Green Bay Packers. It was 1959, that was before me, for some of you younger ones that think that I've been here since 1900, um, they had only won two games the prior season when he became coach. And in football, I don't know I know some of you don't know football, that's bad. Um, you you want to win more than two games, so they won two games, and so he knew he had his work cut out for him, and he came in, and he, he wasn't going to let the prior year shape the current year. And so... He came into this discouraged group of players and came into the first preseason meeting and they're wondering what happens and he takes a football and he holds it up. Some of you know where I'm going with this. He says, gentlemen, this is a football. (laughs) And he put it down. And that became his mantra and how he would coach his entire time coaching. And his point was, let's get back to fundamentals. Let's get back to basics. This is a football, and we are going to play the fundamentals, the essentials of football the best that we can, and we're going to focus on knowing how to catch a football, knowing how to throw a football, knowing how to run with a football, knowing how to tackle the guy with the football. And that's what they focused on And he arguably is one of the greatest coaches to ever coach. As he kept his team back on the essentials. Village, this is the Bible. And this is our foundation. This is the essentials. And we are God's church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so this year, we want to focus on those main things. Focus on what does it mean to be God's church. And, and we want to remind ourselves by going back to our core values. We have them on the wall here. Outreach, community, spiritual growth, and ministry. Because we believe that the Bible clearly sets these four things out as essential to any church that is following Jesus Christ. And so these are what we want to focus on. And today I want to spend a little bit of time reminding ourselves of these. Yes, we want to be undistracted, but this is what we want to be undistracted to. You've heard me talk about the example of, I can tell you all day, don't think of pink elephants. And what are you guys doing right now? You're thinking of pink elephants because you're disobedient. No, it's hard not to, but if I replace that and talk about Green Bay, okay, that's not the essentials of football. (laughs) That's a fumble. But... If I replace that and if we say, okay, how can we be about outreach to the best of our ability and how God wants us to be? How can we be about community to the best of our ability with how the Bible lays that out? How can we be about spiritual growth? Now we've stopped for a minute thinking of pink elephants. And so that's this year what we want to do is rediscover church, rediscover how God founded it, rediscover the passion that the Holy Spirit brought to that church. And make sure that is the essential thing in our lives. That that is what God would have for us. We sang several songs this morning that the words were just so powerful that He is all to us. Jim, one of our elders, mentioned that. That Jesus is to be all to us. His work is to be all to us. It is to be the main thing. It is to be the thing that we dedicate everything to. We sang cause of Christ... Where we talked about, I will, I will sacrifice everything to be part of the cause of Christ. And these are statements of priority. These are statements that say, I will not let my own desires, I will not let my own fears, I will not let my own security get in the way of doing the core things the church should be doing. And what a message we need to hear in this age that the core of what the church should be doing is more important than any of those things. And so we've got to come back to this is a football. This is outreach. This is community. This is spiritual growth. Growth. This is ministry. Before we dive into those, I want to look at one passage to sort of intro this. Turn to Luke 10, 39 through 42. It's also in your worship folder as our worship thought. Luke 10, 39 to 42. A familiar passage, we studied this passage when we went through the book of Luke, or episode one of Acts. And um, it's interesting because Luke is the only one that records the story, and again, it's about priorities, and Acts is about picking up Jesus' priorities and saying, these trump all other priorities. Luke chapter 10, 39 through 42. This is the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus comes. A familiar story, and I know some of you relate with Mary, some of you relate with Martha. But lots to learn here. And she had a sister called Mary, speaking of Martha, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. Now let me set the stage a little bit here. Jesus came, He's a rabbi, He has disciples, and He comes and He's sitting there teaching and and what would happen is your disciples would sit at your feet, probably on the ground. But those are the ones that are listening to the teaching. They are responding to the teaching. They are in relationship with the teacher. Okay, so there's a discipling relationship. So Jesus has come and he's teaching. Jesus is teaching, and just let that sink in for a moment. Jesus himself is teaching, and Mary chooses to take the position of a disciple. And one in relationship with Jesus and listen to him. Oh, to listen at the feet of Jesus. So that's sort of the setup here. And then verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Make it right. Fix her. She'll listen to you. She won't listen to a sister. I might be adding in a few things there. But Mary, Martha's upset, right? Now, what does it say in verse 40? What's her mindset? She's what? She's distracted with much serving. She has her mind on other things. And so we have Mary who, who is undistracted, sitting in relationship with Jesus, saying... Being a disciple is the most important thing right now. And Martha is distracted. He goes on to say, when we see in in Jesus' answer to her, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And we get this powerful story here where we, we again get more insight into Martha's mind frame. She's anxious. She's troubled. She's worried. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not the one thing right now. That's not what's important. What's important is to follow Jesus. Let him work out those details. Now, now some of you that are planners hate this story. I get it. I know. You're like, well, someone's got to make the food. Someone's got to serve it, or everyone's hungry. And if Jesus is hungry and starves and dies, that's a problem. And you're right, to a point. I think it's, it's best to see this story about priorities. Not a, a green light, red light, oh, she shouldn't serve or she should serve. This was about priorities. Yes, the food needed to be done. probably not to the degree of what Martha is trying to make every little detail perfect and being the perfect hostess. But serving needs to happen, but that's underneath the the umbrella of being a disciple. That's underneath a relationship with God. It's underneath doing God's work. And what I see here is a story of someone that let some good things become the main thing, and they got distracted. It was good to serve. It was good to serve Jesus. But when that became the most important thing, anxiety and worry, and fear, and all of these other feelings became more important than doing what Jesus wanted them to do, than sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so this is a story of focus, and that relationship with Jesus and being his disciple is more important than anything else, and shapes everything else. And so that just gives us a good introduction to why talk about the essentials, and we'll talk about four core values that we believe are essential to the church, and I would argue to the Christian walk, and that a believer, if you are a disciple, if you're following Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, you should be doing all four of these, and I should be doing all four of these. And then collectively, as a church, we do all four of these, because ultimately our goal is to make disciples. Our goal is to have more people sitting at the feet of Jesus being His disciple. Our vision statement itself says we're building Christ-focused families that disciple their communities for Christ. And so we want a church family that's vibrant and growing and and we are disciples then that are making more disciples because that's how discipleship works. And so we take these four things and say how can that sitting at Jesus' feet, how can that discipleship infiltrate all of those things. And so we'll not only rediscover essentials this year, but we're going to rediscover discipleship. And We'll talk more about that in, in future weeks. And we're going to say, how can we make discipleship part of our DNA, part of everything that we do? And so we come to these core values. Now, how many of you have heard our core values before? This is not a morning you get to sleep. You don't get to check out you don't get to tune out on YouTube and Facebook. This is a time to to remind ourselves and ask the question. I, wanna, I want you to ask two questions with those. How am I doing at that this last year? Is it still a priority or am I focused on other things? And number two, how am I passing this on to someone else and training someone else to do this? That's a new question. I haven't asked that one before with that. But as we talk about all four, how am I equipping someone else to do these as well? How am I training someone else? And so we come to our first core value, outreach. Outreach. And this is sharing, if we had to put a a verb to it, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. The blank that you have is sharing. Let's pray for and find new ways to share the gospel this year. God wants his church to be devoted to outreach. And this means sharing the gospel next door and around the world. And we have a vibrant missions ministry here and, and, um, it's funded and we support our missionaries well. But it also means sharing the gospel with the person next door to you. Sharing the gospel with the person that didn't take their trash cans in last week. Sharing the gospel in creative ways to those that are at work. And so God wants his people to be sharing the gospel, to be dedicated to, to outreach. Now, as I, as I look at the four core values, I want to do something a little different this year in, in how we talk. it. We have some key verses for each of them that we've studied and we've looked at, but what I want to do this year is feel the weight of Acts. We're studying Acts together, right? And so my question was, can we find these core values in the early church? And I was blown away. I was blown away and I want you to be blown away a little bit too. So we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Because the weight of how these things showed in the early church, as God founded his church, I want that weight to come on us, that passion to come on us, that we're like, okay, this is hugely important, and I need to make this important. And so we come to outreach. And let me just read some of, and I'm just going to look at the first eight, nine chapters of Acts. We can go on after that. But first eight, nine chapters, that's the first section that we're studying Right now. Starts in Acts 1 8. Familiar verse, and actually a verse that we use for this core value. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we see right up front the purpose is outreach. In Acts chapter 2, we see Peter's first sermon. Every one of the sermons in the early church that we have recorded in Acts comes back to calling people to Christ, calling people to repentance. In fact, at the end of that sermon, Acts 2, 37 through 41. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the lord our god calls to himself and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying save yourselves from this crooked generation so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3000 souls was the church about outreach that was part of their dna part of what they did acts 2:47 they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We get to Acts 3 and we have another sermon from Peter and another gospel presentation in, in verse 12 in the 19 and 20. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that He may send the Christ, the appointed one for you, Jesus. And we see right from the start in Peter's sermons, in the testimony of the believers and how they were acting, the Gospel just infiltrated everything they did and said. Why? Not because it was a checklist, but because it was important to them. Because it was amazing. It was good news. And they couldn't stop talking about it. In Acts 4, 4, but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. In Acts 4, we have another sermon from Peter that ends with a call for people to come to Christ. Acts 4, 12, and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Isn't that a great verse? We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. This, this isn't a forced thing. They're like, Jesus changed us. We have to talk about it. Say what you want. We're going to talk about Jesus. And that's a church that's dedicated to outreach. That's a people dedicated to outreach. Acts 4.29, as, as Peter and John were released and they came to the church, what does the church do? They pray. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to Your servants to continue to speak Your Word with all boldness. It's not, oh, I'm, I'm going to get distracted from this. It's like, Lord, help us to do this more. Help us to do this more powerfully. And they pray for boldness. Acts 4.33, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Acts 5.14, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts 5.20, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Acts 5.29, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging Him on a tree. And Whom you killed by hanging Him on a tree. Sorry, I lost my place. Acts 5.42, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. That the Messiah is Jesus. The Gospel. They're teaching it in the temple. They're teaching it in their homes. It's part of who they are. Acts 6.1 Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, they kept coming to Christ because the gospel outreach was part of who they were. Acts 6.7 And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And great, a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. In Acts 7, we have our fourth sermon, Stephen's sermon this time, and he ends with a call to the gospel. You, you, they, they didn't do anything without a call to the gospel. Acts 8, 4 and 5. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. This is a, a text that's coming up. We haven't studied this one yet. The, those, the church that was scattered, they went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Acts eight twenty five. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Just as they're traveling, here's a village, let's tell them about Jesus. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. Guys questioning, Philip shares the gospel. He accepts Christ. Acts 8.40, after the Ethiopian eunuch. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. That's just the first eight chapters of Acts. Actually, you could argue the last two-thirds are then about sharing the gospel to the world. As we see Paul's missionary journey. And, And you can't read the history of the church without feeling the weight of the gospel. Can't. And if this doesn't become our passion, if this doesn't become our weight, we're missing something, Village. We're missing the passion that we see here. As I read these, I'm like, Lord, give me that kind of passion, because I don't have that all the time. I get distracted and worried about a great many things. But oh, to everywhere, to be those type of people that everywhere they went, it was about the gospel. And not like, oh, come to Jesus. I guess it's okay. But they were excited about it and passionate about it. That's what we need to do. And and if we're going to do this, there's three things that have to happen. We've got to love God. We've got to love the Gospel. And we've got to love people. If any of those are missing, we won't be passionate about the Gospel. But if we love God and and how He's changed our lives, if we love the story of the gospel, the greatest rescue mission ever known to mankind, and if we love people and want them to be with us in eternity and not be under God's judgment, then this has to be where we go. This has to be one of our core values. And then once we, we make sure that heart's right, loving God, loving the gospel, loving others, then we can begin to strategize by intentionally developing these life-bringing relationships looking for ways to reach people today i'm going to talk about um, a one-one-one plan And, and the first one there is is something we've talked about before do we have our one that we're praying for who is our one Who is our one that we know needs to hear the good news of the cross and the resurrection? Needs to know that there is forgiveness for sins, that that guilt can be taken away, that Jesus took that away on the cross if we give our lives to him. Who do you know that needs to know that message? And so I just want to pause for a moment and say, pray right now at home or here. Pray right now, God, put someone on my heart that needs you. Put someone on my heart that needs you. Just take a few seconds. Now, take that person's name or initials and write it on your paper. If you still have your stick figures that, that we've done before, put new initials on there. And then with that person, and, and village, we start one to one. This is how people come to Christ through relationships, through friendships. This is right now. If you have more than one, that's great, but let's at least focus on one. And then our starting point is to start to pray for them fervently. And I would ask you to take that name and every day pray that they would come to Christ and see what God does this year. See what opportunities are there. And again, we've challenged ourselves to do this before. This isn't new. But then go a step beyond and in your community groups, share who you're you're praying for. And have other believers pray together. Let's do this together. If you're in a discipling relationship, this is how you disciple. They need to see you praying for someone. They need to see you caring that someone knows the gospel. And so pray for them personally, pray for them corporately in the settings we can. And then you begin to strategize. Look for opportunities to get to know them. Non-church opportunities. Your first meeting doesn't doesn't have to be, hey, you want to come listen to a guy preach for 45 minutes on Sunday? Your first meeting might be, Hey, you need anything from the grocery store? I'm heading over there. Hey, I notice your trash cans are still out. Can I bring them in for you? Anything you need? You want to come over for a barbecue? Have some good food? Those are kinds of things that we intentionally start to do to reach people with the gospel. It starts with relationship. It starts by genuinely loving people and caring for them. Then there may be opportunities to invite them to church and maybe it's inviting them to Living Nativity. Some of you brought people to Living Nativity. Some of you are here because of Living Nativity. It's a wonderful thing because that's then an opportunity we have as a community, as a church, to share the gospel. But don't hesitate to share with them the most important thing in your life. Now, if the most important thing is the Green Bay Pactors, that's a different thing. But if the most important thing is Jesus Christ, wouldn't you want to share that? Share the most important thing in the world with them. And so we come to our first core value, outreach, sharing. Who do I know that needs Jesus that I can pray for daily and intentionally get to know? And that's the first one of the 111. Our second core value is fellowship or community. Fellowship, loving one another is the verb that we put with that. God wants his church to be devoted to building real community, not just fake relationships The Sunday morning, hey, how are you? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine. Yeah, um, but real community where we get involved in each other's lives, where we genuinely care about each other, where we can meet needs and help each other grow. Sometimes I define this as building life-bringing friendships where we help each other grow closer to God where we help each other do the things that God wants us to do, building those positive Christian relationships that spur us to Christ-likeness, ministry, and outreach, which, by the way, are the other three core values. And so when we look at community, we're saying, how is this community helping me do God's work? How is this community helping me be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And those should be powerful. First John 1, 3, and 4 says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. Which, by the way, those are the first two core values right there. We share the gospel with you, what we've seen and heard, we share with you, so that we can be family. Because when we come to Christ, we're adopted as sons and daughters of the King. and We're family. And the word for fellowship there, koinonia, is to share life together and to share work together. And if I had to to pick what I desire for village and community, it's to share life together and to share God's work together. That's, That's what it means. It's not hard. But we let so many personality things get in the way and so many small gripes that we just need to overlook because we're different people. And we've got to come to the point of saying they're all weird. And I am too. Because if I don't add that second part, now I now just feel superior. But when I realize we're all weird people because we're all fallen and broken and God's grace has been extended to every one of us, oh, I better show that same grace. Again, listen to the early church. Some of the verses are the same. Some of them overlap. But listen for aspects of community. Acts 1.14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with women and Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And and that's sort of one of those skip-over verses that we miss. They were all together in one place. It's a statement of community. It's a statement of relationship. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship And to the breaking of bread, both two parts of community and the prayers. Acts 2, 42 through 46. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's community, taking care of each other. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Acts 4, 23 and 24. And when they, Peter and John, were released, they went to their friends, which I love how that's even described. They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now, what does that imply about their friends? They were together. they And Peter and John knew where to go. They joined the church who was together and they reported everything. And when they all heard it, or you all heard it, They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and sea and everything in them. And they went on to praise God and worship. Acts 4.32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Now that's 5,000 people. Actually, by this time, probably 10,000 people. Do you think maybe 200 people, we could, we could strive to have it be said of us that we're of one heart, one soul? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And village, we, we need to continue that. Acts 5.12, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done by the people by the hands of the apostles and they were all together in Solomon's portico. I didn't realize how many times it used the word together until I was studying for today. I'm like over and over and over why? Because being together means something. It is part of God's plan for His church. I know we often go to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 about not neglecting the assembly. I think it's just as powerful to go to how many times the word together is used in Acts. I know it's not as, as quick, but um, it's powerful. Acts 5.42, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they were in each other's houses, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Acts 9.17-19, and we haven't gotten to this one yet. It's after the conversion of Paul. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. And we see Ananias coming to this enemy of the faith, hated man, and adopting him into the family. Bringing him into the family. What a story. And so when we look at the, just the, the, those verses in Acts on the early church, They were together, they were of one mind and purpose, they cared for each other, and they adopted as many into the family as they could. Those four things would be a great description of community at Village. They were together, they were of one mind and purpose, they cared for each other, they adopted as many into the family as they could. Now Village, this is one that again I think we need to keep reminding ourselves because two things can happen as time goes by in community. Number one, small hurts become oversized. And we can we can marginalize ourselves from people because of small trivial things that the more we dwell on them just become bigger and bigger. This happens in any community, not just church community. This can happen in family. This can happen in circles of friends. Oh, in college? Let me tell you. We've got to stand against that. And, and, and the other thing is we over a period of time in a church setting, we see our community change, right? Some people move away and we pray for their souls when they move to Texas and Oklahoma and Idaho. Uh, No, just kidding, those of you that are watching that have moved away. We love you so much. Um, People move away and new people come, especially with covid We have had just a a lot of people joining our church family and we love that. So now our, our challenge is how do we make sure that everyone's adopted into the family? How do we make sure we're one community? That needs to be a main thing that we're thinking about and talking about. This is more important than if I get to see my friends on Sunday. This is more important than if I can sleep in as late as I want on Sunday and maybe get here by 10. This is more important than do I get to lunch at the habit in time to get a table. How are we doing at bringing people into community? Are we making it a priority? See, most of this doesn't happen between 9.30 and five ish (laughs) Come a little early. Talk to people. Get involved in people's lives. Come to, um, come to community groups. Come to family nights. Come to Let's Do Lunch and get to know people. Have people for lunch in your homes. We've seen just such a wonderful job our welcome team is doing at, at helping us be aware of this. And just met with them again last week and, and heard that some of the ideas are progressing and um, a Connect lunch is coming again soon for those of you that are, are new to Village in the last year. We want you to know that we're family. Every believer that attends here is family. And there is no distinction. And we will fight for that and we will make sure of that. And so the question that we have to ask then is, who does God want me to connect with this year? Who can I encourage and include in church family this week? Last, last time we, we just used the question, who can I encourage this week? But I, I, I added, who can I include this week? And, and this goes from just saying hi to actually including, making people part of our circles, making people part of our relationships. And so this is an eye to engage people outside of our circles and to bring people in. So community is our second core value. Looking at the clock, we will move on to our third core value. <laughs> I love these, and I think we should be passionate about these. Third core value is growing. Growing. We want to be a growing church. God wants his church to be devoted to spiritual growth. God wants his church to be devoted to spiritual growth. This is probably the one out of the three that's like, sort of like, well, yeah, that's what church should be. We come to hear the word taught and we, we come to study God's word together. And, and that is wonderful. And that is the foundation of what we do. But we want to be con- committed to continued spiritual growth, to those spiritual disciplines that encourage spiritual growth. See, primarily this happens through God's Word, through prayer and spiritual habits. This is how spiritual growth happens. But it also means coming with an attitude that I'm still growing. I don't have it all together. I I don't care if you're 10 sitting in this room or, or if, I guess they're over there, to 12 sitting in this room, to 90 sitting in this room, you still have room to grow. I still have room to grow. God is still forming us through the Holy Spirit and making us by degree by degree into Christ-likeness. And so we need to to say we're about spiritual growth. We're about God's Word. We're going to teach God's Word. That will infiltrate everything we do. Because we know from life, from just observation in life, if we're not growing, we're dying. And and we don't want to be a dying church. We want to be a growing church. And and it's not about, okay, what's the count today? I want to know, are we deeper as disciples this week than we were last week? That's our goal as a church. Now, perhaps Acts 1 through 8 has something to say about this too. In fact, this one I broke down into some categories (laughs) because I had two pages of verses because this was the early church. This is what God wants for his church. First thing, st- teaching and studying God's Word was part of their daily life. It was part of who they are. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, I'm not claiming I'm an apostle, but I am claiming that I'm teaching what the apostles taught in God's Word and what God's Word says. But that word devoted means they were intentional about it. They weren't falling asleep. They were taking notes. They were studying. They were processing. They were... They were engaged in God's word. Acts 4, 1 and 2. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They weren't annoyed because they were hanging out, having some matzah together. They were annoyed because they were dedicated to God's word and they were teaching God's word. This was part of the DNA of the early church. Acts 5.42, and every day in the temple, we've read this one before, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching. And so the teaching of God's Word and who Christ was, was just part of what they did. And the church was devoted to it. We see that reflected all over the New Testament as well. When Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the teaching and the reading of God's Word. So that was part of the early church. They were also praising God. Worship was part of, of spiritual growth. And, and we, we would consider worship and singing together and reading God's word and praying. All those things are part of our worship service. This is part of spiritual growth and an essential part. Acts 2.47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number. Praising God, that was part of when they got together. We're gonna worship, we're gonna worship God. Acts 3:8 when when Peter and John healed the lame man and leaping up he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. Acts 4:24 when Peter and John came back to the church and when they heard it they lifted their voices together to God and said and they went on to praise God they worshiped God in prayer and in their words elevating him and saying our God is sovereign our God made everything He's in control. We don't have to worry or be anxious. He took care of this. And so they praised God. One of the things that strikes me as we've studied Acts is how many times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And part of their spiritual growth was a dependence on the Holy Spirit, walking and growing in the Spirit. Acts 1 8, we read this already. You will receive power when what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 2, four, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Holy Spirit is, is the agent of growth in us, the agent of sanctification, and there it flowed out to outrage. We're going to tell everyone. Acts 4.31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Acts 5:9 the sad story the sad sad story of Ananias and Sapphira and Peter said how is it that you have agreed to test the holy spirit they were sensitive even in dealing with sin Acts 6:10 but they could not the, the teachers of the time they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit in which he was speaking Acts seven fifty four and 55 story that Pastor AJ shared with us last week. Stephen is, is, is about to be killed and he says, but he full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. When they chose people to minister in Acts 6, it was men who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so part of the early church's commitment was spiritual growth and the change the Holy Spirit brings. One last section of verses. They were committed to prayer. Acts 1.14, these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 3.1, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Acts 4.24, And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God in prayer and said, and they, they went on to pray, and they prayed for boldness later in that passage. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Acts 6.4, The Apostles, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And we see a commitment in all these things, a commitment to the Word, a commitment to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to grow us, and a commitment to prayer and a commitment to worship. And so even though this is sort of the standard core of a church, don't forget it. Enjoy the teaching of God's Word. Enjoy opening your Bibles and digging in. You know, we'll be going through Acts, like I said, this year and spending some time. We'll spend some time back in Psalms a little later this year. Uh, our adult education classes are great ways to study God's Word together. Women's Bible study and women's retreat is coming up and we're working on a, another men's Bible study this, this spring with Men's 33 again and community groups. This is core. At the end of this month, we'll be having a prayer Sunday. I encourage you don't take that as a Sunday to get an early start at Chipotle or wherever you're going. Take that as a Sunday to be committed to one of our core values as a church and praying together. I know our our, um, online team posted the rooted reading chart this, this week. And this is a chance to read God's Word together. And this is, again, a way that discipleship can come into this. Grab a person and say, Hey, do you want to do rooted with me? And it's just a chapter or two every day. Takes it a little slower. So the Bible in two years. And and if you do that with a partner and say, okay, what did you get out of the text today? What did you get out of the text today? That is huge. in now discipleship, bringing discipleship into our core values and being about God's word. The question here is how can I go deeper in the word, worship and in prayer and help someone else in their walk? How can I go deeper in the Word, but not just for me, but also helping someone else in their walk? And this is where the other two ones that I mentioned, one, one, one. One, the first one is, who am I praying for to come to Christ? The second one, and this is at the bottom of your notes, the second one, who's older than me that I can connect with at church? Who is someone that God would put on my heart that is older than me, that's lived the Christian life longer than I have, or, if, depending on age, a peer, someone that, that has lived life a long time with you, who's someone that I can come and, and be in a relationship with, a life bringing relationship that's discipling one another? And so the second one there is be praying and be asking God to give you someone older than you. And the third one is then the, same, the, the, the converse of that, or the inverse who is someone younger than me that I can invest in? Someone younger than me that I can say, hey, let's do the rooted reading together. Hey, what'd you get out of that genealogy? No, there's a lot of other stuff there. And genealogies are wonderful. But let's take this and say, who can I bring into the family? Who's older than me that can help mentor me as I walk with God? And who's younger than me that I can invest in? Those are three relationships we should always have as believers if we're about the main thing always we come to the the last of our core values serving we'll just take a couple minutes more serving god wants his church to be devoted to ministry this is using our gifts to serve god and others through his church this is being a servant we don't act like servants we are servants of christ and so how can i serve god in his, in his church and as a church we're committed to finding a place for every believer we believe that all believers have been equipped by god for good works and so we will find places to minister and and, and try different things until we find just a really good place to minister now we even see this in Acts. This is probably the least out of all of them because it's a new church and it's growing, but it's amazing when we start to think about how they ministered to each other. Acts two forty-five, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's ministry. That, that's ministry like elevated exponentially. That's amazing. Acts three six through seven. Peter said to the lame man. I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And again, it's descriptive of what God did. He's not going to have us go around healing people and touching people, but the heart there of ministry to help someone in need, to help someone hurting, is then what is prescriptive that we follow. Acts 4.32, which we read, again, everyone was of one heart and one soul and no one said that any of their things belonged to him. They had everything in common. That's ministry. It goes on to say, there was not a needy person among them and they, they, would, they would sell land or whatever and it's setting up to, for the story with Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira, but they would lay it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. People were participating in the ministry of the church to the point where in Acts 5.16, the people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. In Acts 6, we see a commitment to expanding ministry. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, where the apostles couldn't do it all. And so they took seven men that were gifted in that, and those seven men picked up the ministry willingly that nothing was below them. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. The weight of Acts says the early church was devoted to outreach, community, spiritual growth, and ministry. May that be what we are. May we follow that as we rediscover what church is. Not that we lost it, but in going back to Acts, seeing the essentials. And so the question in number four is, where can I be part of God's work this year? Don't go a year on the sidelines. Get in the game. This is a football. Be part of what God is doing here at Village around you, but be part of God's work. And then be... One of the things I love about ministering together, it's the greatest place for discipleship. To have someone in your ministry, if you're both in youth ministry, if you're both in in kitchen ministry or nursery, you can build discipling relationships with those people. But be part of what God is doing. These four areas are the big picture of what God wants his church to do. Certainly, a lot of little things fall in there and, and are part of that. But the big picture is okay, how am I sharing? How am I loving? How am I growing? And and, and how am I serving, ministering? And ask those questions and say, God, show me what you would have me do. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come as a, a split congregation today, I pray that you would bring us together in heart and purpose and spirit, even online and in person. Lord, that we will be a church that is not only undistracted, but we know what our main things are. That we know what the football is that we should carry. Lord, that we would be a church that grows this year in our commitment to those essential things. That we remind ourselves that outreach is vital to the church and, and is part of our mission as you have left us here to continue your work that you would remind us that loving each other in community is is the attitude and the atmosphere that you want for your family. Lord, to remind ourselves that growing with you takes intentionality, it takes spiritual disciplines. But Lord, help us to do the work to grow, to be more Christ-like, and to let your Holy Spirit do that work in us. Lord, and then to be a, a people that are serving of people that are in ministry, that are doing your work, Lord. Help us to have hearts of servants, not hearts of, of kingdom builders of our own or our own little circle builders, but to build your kingdom, God. Lord, I pray that these four core values, you'd remind us of these today and you'd help nothing to get in the way of these because this is the cause of Christ. Thank you, God, in your name.